Hello and welcome to the Peak Too Early podcast, where the fixtures are coming in rapid succession and much like Tottenham, we're struggling to keep up. Uh, my name is Oscar and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host Blake. Happy holidays, Blake. How are you this week? School's over. Yeah, uh, school's over for you. Uh, I am yeah. on my Christmas break. I don't. I go back early January. Um, but I have a nice two and a half weeks off uh, where I can watch football pretty much every single day of the week. Very nice. So, yeah. yeah, looking forward to it. Not looking forward to Newcastle playing soccer ever again. Mm. Well, we'll um, get onto that soon. Listeners yes. will have to um, forgive me because I'm, I'm drinking a beverage and maybe they'll hear me, hear me gulping away sometimes, but I'll try my best to keep my away from the mic when i'm doing it um yes I, it was I a, do have a beverage it was a very high scoring weekend of premier league football wasn't it actually because we had a 7-0 a 6-2 3-0 another 3-0 5-2 wow. and a 5-2 of course of course well that was midweek but, uh, but yeah but i i think we were discussing before we started recording and i i seem i seem to remember that Maybe I've managed to catch you up in the prediction plus minus whatever it is. Because I've got more yes. predictions correct than you this week in a shock twist. It is with a heavy heart yeah. that I will read what has gone down. But I will. It, it's very fitting that you were able to make such a comeback. Mm. At this time of the season, oh, yeah. when the Christmas season is such an important time for football teams, you can really like pick up your form and all of a sudden escape the relegation oh, because you play yeah. so many matches in quick succession. Seems so, a segue. Yeah. Kind of like that. Oscar was in the relegation zone. Uh, I right. had a plus five lead um, until the midweek matches in which Oscar correctly, correctly predicted the 1-1 West Ham Crystal Palace draw. Boom. As well as a few others that I missed, giving him plus two overall, which brought yes. my lead down to only plus three. And then this weekend happened, and Oscar was ruthless. Really uh, a Liverpool versus Palace sort of performance. Uh, where he gained plus four, accurately predicting Newcastle, Fulham, uh, with the exact score and a few others, giving him plus four, which moves the net result to plus one for one Oscar Saywell. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'm, I didn't I'm congratulate you. To... Oh, no, I'm, I didn't I'm, congratulate you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thanking the hordes of screaming fans that are congratulating me at home. Um, I'm looking forward to my form continuing over the, the winter period. I really feel that I'll be consolidating my position over the next couple of months. So can't wait. Right, we, we'll see how this works. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so with that being said, and that's our one bit of administration, uh, we will quickly go over some of the midweek fixtures and if mm -hmm. anything we thought was interesting. Sure. Um, I will start with what I found interesting about the midweek fixtures. Okay. Um, one, uh, Arsenal drawing 1-1 with Southampton. Yes. In a hilariously 
horrendous performance that Arsenal deserved nothing from. Uh, and somehow mm. they got a 1-1 draw with uh, former gunner Theo oh, Walcott yes. scoring. He scored and he baited the challenge from Gabriel that got him sent off. I actually thought that Arsenal... Look, to be frank, this is that was an excellent result for them. A 1-1 with 10 men uh, against South, a really good Southampton yeah, top side. Top of so. the table, Southampton. Exactly. Um, and yeah, we really shouldn't dwell too much on these midweek fixtures. Um, I, I actually thought wait. Arsenal were decent against Southampton. I didn't think they were terrible. They were way worse against Everton, I thought. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I have just... I couldn't let this slip. Like This has to go mm -hmm. down in the recording. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I have written down in my notes... In 15th place, racking oh up red cards and yellow cards, is this Arsenal team the 2020 version of Stoke City? <gasps> wow. Um, is that a rhetorical question, or should I... Yeah, I no, ask? that's a bit. <laughs> obviously. I mean, but, but, like, no, but is it obvious? Is it obvious? Because they are that bad. So, so but they I have mean... like 20 times the investment that Stoke had. Yeah, I mean, that just makes it even more hilarious uh, how bad they are. Um, can I pick out a highlight? Yeah, of course. Midweek? Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Leeds 5, Newcastle 2, but I want to pick out Sebastian Allaire's sumptuous bicycle kick against Crystal Palace. Um, uh, what I love about this goal is that it's a, basically a carbon copy, except from the other side, um, from as Andy Carroll's bicycle kick in the, against Palace a few years ago. It's like the exact same goal. Um, coming from a much maligned player in Sebalé who had a pretty dreadful game against Chelsea today. Unfortunately. That's my highlight of the midweek fixtures. Yeah. My, I will just say, Seb Heller scored a cracking goal and mm -hmm. stood up with a completely straight face. Didn't celebrate. Didn't. Yes. No reaction. Uh, Why well, he had a he actually had more of a reaction than he usually does. He had the barest ghost of a smile on his face after scoring one of the best goals of the season so far. West Ham have two of the best goals of the season so far, and that was one of them. Um, so clearly, he's extremely unhappy, and I actually feel quite bad for him. But anyway, yeah. Um, just to wrap up the midweek fixtures. Um, yeah, Newcastle. Got absolutely embarrassed by Leeds. They were... I don't even know where to start. I felt sick the entire time. I just knew it was coming. It was a 1-1 and 2-2 at points, but it was not worth it. Not worth watching. Uh, just 100% deserved win for Leeds. They're a yeah. better team than I give them credit for. Um. And just wow. frankly pathetic from Newcastle. Um, there were times where, like throughout the entire match, from 15 minutes in, where it would be five or six Leeds attackers against maybe two Newcastle defenders. It should have been more than five, too. Yeah. Um, the yeah. fourth goal in particular, I think. If you want to see like bad defending, that was it. Yeah. Um, well, that's, yeah. That's leads for you. They do exploit yeah. that, that kind of, those kind of mistakes. So, um, Liverpool breaking Spurs' hearts with a 90th minute Roberto Firmino header. Um, I watched that entire match live. 
uh, and it hurt my heart because I don't like terrible seeing Liverpool week happy. For Spurs. Terrible week for Spurs. Yes, and in a match that almost started out horribly, well, it did start out horribly, um, Man United had another comeback win to beat Sheffield United, who held the lead for 20 minutes uh, before, frankly, getting turned over. So, oh, Okay. Well. That was a good wrap up. Yeah. And let's move on to the greener pastures meat and drink. Yes, the meat and drink of this week's episode, which is obviously this weekend's fixtures. Where do you want to start, Blake? You want to start Crystal Palace Liverpool? From, yeah, the first match. All of right. The match do you want me to take it? Yeah, I didn't watch this one live. So. Ooh, okay. I watched. Um. Ooh, did I watch? Yes, I watched. Uh, I think. Uh, Sorry, you're gonna have to cut this one out. Half, half of this live, um, and it was Liverpool seven, Crystal Palace nil. Um, yes, seven. Uh, all the match reports I've read of this fixture did that sort of cutesy thing where they put the numeral seven nil, and then in brackets they put seven in, like spell it out, uh, you know, because it's. Because, oh my God, it's 7-0. But yeah, I mean, it left them six points clear at the top of the table, however briefly. Um, and this was a Liverpool that raised themselves to the full height, to the fullest extent of their abilities um, against a Panacide who weren't even that abject, but they were just completely outmatched. Um, and I think for me, it was really the quality of the goals that st- stood out. I mean, obviously it's a 7-0 victory, but Almost every goal was so sumptuously taken. Um, it was Palace's heaviest, I think, ever home defeat. Um, and the Palace players, they never really gave up, to be honest. They didn't capitulate either. They played pretty well in the first half, actually. Um, they had a few chances at 1-0 where you were thinking, OK, Liverpool need to be careful take their chances, but obviously take their chances they did. And I thought they really parodied the Mourinho-style counterattack, where they actually sat quite deep on Palace and just ruthlessly uh, countered, used the pace, used the guile, used the skill, and obviously hit them for seven. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if you want to unpack each individual goal. I'm not great at doing that. What I will say, it would take too much time. What I will say is that Roberto Firmino's goal was, I think that's my, possibly my top three favorite kind of goal. Where he, oh my God. So he, the touch where he he gets under his control and just literally just brushes it past Guaita in goal. It was incredible. I love scoring those kind of goals. I love doing that. Oh yeah, that is very much your. Mm. I would say yeah. like your goal. I do love um, doing it. Yeah. I will say this match also had my favorite type of goal, which was the Sala stopping the ball, and then just it's essentially a chip, but yeah, it's like a insanely curved chip that doesn't go up and down; it goes around the side, um, and it just like kisses the where the top meets the yes, side yes. yeah just unreal it yeah. it's only 
an unfair scoreline to Palace in that they weren't horrendous. They weren't seven. No, they really won. Just Liverpool were unbelievably ruthless. They were scary good. Extremely clinical. So I actually, yeah, this is the thing. Palace were really good for spells, and I thought that I don't know. I watched this without the crowd noise, so and I actually I don't know what was going on with the microphones, but you could for the first time I actually heard a lot of what the players were saying, and I have in my notes here. Jordan Henderson was especially in the first half screaming. I could hear him screaming Trent, as in Trent Alexander Arnold. Over and over and over again. And you know, obviously, how bad I am at analyzing the defensive shape or, or tactics in a match. I just can't focus on it for some reason. But because he was screaming his name so often, I was looking at Trent Alexander-Arnold, and he was pretty out of position, like, most of the time. And um, they, were, they were really, like, ringing that, that bell, um, Palace, and they were trying to exploit that. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- this could have been different, which sounds odd to say, seeing as it was seven well, nil. Yeah, yeah, so Palace had some great opportunities, like especially the twenty second minute where Ayu like got yeah, cleaned yeah. through, and then he had the easy pass, and for some reason he could have shot or passed, and he sort of just put it behind Zaha. So yeah, but you know that what would have made it one one. What? So. Yeah, but one of the weirdest, just on Andre Ayu. I'm sorry, no. Jordan Ayu. I always think of Andre Ayu. That's his brother. Um, Wait, which one plays for Palace? Jordan? Jordan, Jordan. Yeah, and Andre used to play for us and now is that Swansea. Um, I think I just fucked that up. I think I just called him Andre no, Ayu. I, no, I think that was me. Anyway, anyway. Um, I was going to say, how weird is it that Palace were sorely missing Christian Benteke as that, as that, um, that focal point? And obviously he's been sort of actually scoring again and i thought and i thought oh my god i thought jordan Ayer was pretty poor he clearly like just was not up to speed uh in this match and offered very little so mm. yeah yeah i i thought jordan Ayer has been having a decent season but i agree he was very poor this match right i mean he was wonderful last season for sure um i'm not sure how much he's how much has he even played this season 11, 11 appearances, one goal. So he hasn't been very good this season in goal scoring wise. But one Play question I have for enough. you um, it's very simple. Will Liverpool romp to the title again? Is this it? Is this just them being far and away better than everyone else in the league despite all these massive injuries that they have? Um, is it over? Okay. So. First of all, how dare you? I ask the questions on this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm joking. (laughs) What I have to say is, I guess the stats don't lie. Mm. Liverpool Mm -hmm. have 36 goals for this season. The next closest is Manchester United with 28. So they have an eight-point lead only 14 matches through the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they do have a game in hand over, or they, Man U has a game in hand over yes, Liverpool. Yes, yes, yes. They have the best goal differential in mm-hmm. the league. They are second, I believe, in form, uh, only behind, surprisingly, Everton, who we were just talking oh, yeah. about what poor form they were in. Yeah, they're um, in good form now. Yeah. 
I think if they make it through this congested fixture list, oh yeah, in the form that they are, they might it's have over. a lead that's too great yeah. to overcome. insurmountable. Yeah, that's as uh, much as I want it not to be true because I'm kind of desperate for someone fresh to win the league. Um, I, I I think I have to agree with you. I think just obviously the stats don't lie and. Come the end of January, if they honestly, if they have like a six point lead or bigger, you can't see them dropping that amount of points. So, yeah, yeah please, Lester. I don't know. Fine, uh, yeah, Lester, I'm gonna do it. I uh, we'll talk about this later. I don't understand Lester I, because they literally, they, I mean, I, they haven't drawn and but they've lost four times or something, five times, something like that. Yes, so they so blow hot they and cold. They have the same wins as Liverpool with nine, but whereas Liverpool has four draws oh, and a loss, right, Leicester right. has five losses. Yeah, terrible. Really, I don't really. They, I saw a team that has lost five times in fourteen matches should not be second in the league. But so, if yeah. you keep going down the table to find the next club that has lost five matches, you run into West Ham in West 10th. Ham. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Wow. Oh, West Ham. Okay. That is that on Liverpool. Um, unless you have anything else to say. If not, then where are we moving on to? Um, I'll just quickly go over Man City Southampton. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, it was a match that I watched the first half of. Um, okay. I, th- in my opinion, I know this isn't what some people believe um but i believe manchester city dominated this match okay although the statistics don't really say so i just think so yeah i kind of thought the entire match man city i never was like oh yeah this is where southampton steals the point okay um except for one danny ings moment i think around yeah. the hour mark or the 70th minute um but it was a a classic man city passing mm-hmm. around southampton um pace on the ball mm-hmm. uh Raheem Sterling gets a 16th minute uh win and I really think this is the least clinical I've ever seen Man City right I've never seen them have this many chances and not score an incredible amount so that's really yeah. all I have to say yeah, I didn't watch this match. Um, maybe the last few minutes. Um, yeah, I have nothing to say other than at this moment in time, I can just remember what Raheem Ster- Sterling's haircut looks like, and I really like it. So oh, I like it that's, too. That's all I'm bringing. It's, a, it's very world. unique. I like. I yeah, it. I mean, it's growing out, and it looks really good. So that's that's what I'm. That's what I'm going for. Um, um go ahead. I will I will just before we move on, uh a player I've slated as much as I've slated any other Ooh, player. I like this backtracking. Che, che Adams. Backtracking. I thought Jake. he was horrendous. Mm-hmm. But Che Adams has had a very good start to the season. He's, so. He has been really good this season. And I'm happy for him too, because he was bought by Southampton with a lot of fanfare from Birmingham because obviously he tore it up in the championship. And he had a torrid time of it. So much so that you thought, okay, so this is not working. He's going to have to go back down on loan to the championship. 
But yeah, no, he's looked class. And as him and Walcott, in the absence of Danny Ings, who I know returned for this match, um, they've looked like a really great pairing. So yeah, Southampton, you know, they're the people's club. They're the fun club everyone likes. They're not offensive, apart from like James Ward Prowse, who's a shithouser. And yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying them this season. A club that I yeah. am not enjoying because they're terrible is Arsenal. And they sunk to a 2-1 loss to Everton on Saturday. Um, yeah, it's been great week for Carlo Ancelotti and the Blues. Yerry Mina sealed the win for them with a towering header on the stroke of half time after a Pepe penalty cancelled out Rob Holding's pretty unfortunate own goal. Um, the the Blues were very impressive, I thought. Um, I particularly liked the performances of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Abdoulaye Ducouré. I really like Ben Godfrey. I love the way that Everton play right now, like just four centre-backs in a back Hilarious. Four. It's hilarious. hilarious. And they're huge. They're, they are all huge. And um, it just clearly seems to be working. Um, it was a pretty hard-fought victory, I thought. Um, I don't want to give any props to Arsenal necessarily because I didn't think they were very good. But what I will say is that they, they, they're not a team that stopped trying. They're still running for Arteta. They're still fighting, I guess. I mean, we, I guess we can see that through their ill-discipline. They keep getting players sent off because players keep making reckless deci- decisions. Um, also, I mean, again, I guess we've done it too much on this podcast already, but we have to shout out Jordan Pickford's late crucial save from Bukayo Saka. Um, I mean, yes, because <laughs> it was a very good save, but it was also pretty... He had nothing to do during this match because Arsenal are just lacking so much guile, so much edge. I, I said the exact same last week. Um, okay, I also I think we have to credit Arsenal from the restart. In the second half, they were pretty unrecognizable. David Luiz, he, I think he, no, he started, I think. Um, but anyway, he hit the post because Pickford did Pickford things and spilt a William Cross. Um, and I think Godfrey really, he's excelling as a makeshift left back. And he was the key man in that Everton defense. He was nullifying Saka. Um, and yeah, I mean, after Arsenal were anemic in the first half, they improved after the break. They're still lacking that ferocity, that guile. And I guess the question I have for you is that are they relegation candidates? Genuinely. No jokes. I mean, are they relegation last candidates? Week. Did I, I asked ask you this last week and oh, you were I'm like, they are too big to go down. I mean, I still uh, think, what well, that was a Scottish lilt to that accent. Where did that come from? Yeah. They're all the same. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I still do think they're too big to go down. But one thing I will say is that uh, these players have never been in this position before. And and as they keep creeping closer to the relegation zone, the more panic these players are going to get. But, okay, fine. You posed it to me last week. I'm posing it to you this week. Are they relegation candidates? They're going to be in the hunt. Ooh. They're going to stay down at okay. least, like they're going to stay at the bottom of the table at least through Christmas. Or I keep mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. like through the Christmas fixtures. Right, right, um, right. Not the Christmas that is in four days. Um, yes, exciting. I I just haven't seen anything that makes me think they're good enough to climb a few spots. And 
I mean, uh-huh. everyone says they're too big to go down, but are they? Yes, yes, they are. Yes, they are. They have too much money. And eighth place Arsenal. Yes, yes, yes. I understand, but they will even if they recapture fifty percent of the form that they were showing after the restart, they'll stabilize. And also they have Thomas Party to come back. And I know one player doesn't save a whole team, but you know, it, they surely they will improve. I'm still thinking they will. Um, I don't think they get relegated, but no, no. I do think they will be in the conversation for quite a while. You know, if they who... do discover their form, it's going to be like a uh, mid February. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a late push if they stick with Arteta. You know who else is in the relegation conversation, Blake? Are you going to say Newcastle? I'm going to say Newcastle and Fulham, obviously. But that's our next fixture, a 1-1 draw against 10-man Fulham. How did you feel about this match? Honestly, I didn't even take that many notes uh, just because I was so mad the entire time. Mm, Uh, This was a Fulham team who uh, are ridiculously low scoring they mm-hmm. are 17th in terms of goals scored uh incredibly leaky defense uh i think 15th in terms of defense um very poor goal differential of course yeah. poor form poor everything mm. bad manager not great players uh i actually i guess they're in okay form because they have 3 points from 3 matches um, which yeah. isn't great, but going back to the last five, they have six points, which is yeah, they, pretty they, good they, for Fulham. Yeah, there's the well, I mean, and one of those draws was against Liverpool, right? So yes, so, so they're they've definitely better. Seen form. Yeah, they're better than they have been. But this is a Fulham team that they're struggling to score goals and they're struggling to defend. And Steve Bruce goes into this match and puts eleven men behind the ball, plays park the bus, uh, and. We we need a, a lucky penalty to get a draw out of a match we should have won. Um, and yeah. Newcastle have been, other than getting turned over by Leeds, before that we were in great form. So I just don't understand why Steve Bruce comes to this match, which should be, he keeps saying he wants to try playing like expansive attacking football. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. then we have a chance, a, a pretty much guaranteed or not guaranteed, definite long-time relegation candidate, Fulham, in which you can try these tactics, and he does 11 men behind the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, Callum Wilson as the target man, Joe Linton drop deep and help defend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just It was an undeserved point for Newcastle. Um, it was just a dumb decision by the Fulham defender to drag down Callum Wilson. Um, It's like, honestly, I think if you don't drag him down, I don't think Callum Wilson scores. Um, It just, it was not, even though like Callum Wilson's an excellent player, it just nothing we were doing. Um, And this, there's like a bigger conversation at Newcastle right now because a lot of things are going really bad. Uh, there's rumors that Steve Bruce has lo- lost the locker room. Yeah, uh, I heard that. The um, Alan St. Maximin posted on Instagram this morning, uh, and his comment was, 
uh I have no problem with Steve Bruce, which to me sounds like something the PR team is asking you to say uh, to keep the fan. It was like, I have no problem with Steve Bruce, the club, or the supporters of Newcastle United. Um, I was like, this doesn't strike me as the most genuine comment. So um, what I've seen of oh, this, is, I saw a, a Daniel Story tweet that um, he said, he was on a podcast I listened to called The Totally Football Show, and he said, um, I've asked the podcast to retract to delete my comments I made yes. on the episode, right? Um, a, because I shouldn't have repeated this rumor that Anansan Maximan had fallen out with Jamal LaSalle and Steve Bruce and whatever. Um, and then it came out, I think the club or Steve Bruce said that they're suffering with COVID 19, long term yes. effects of that. So, so. Yeah, so this story goes on to this is what we've been hearing that Jamal Lascelles and Alan St. Maximan had a fallout with Steve Bruce and were subsequently right. dropped. That was reported by like one source, and that source has come out and said that it's a bunch of BS. Um, however, there oh, is yeah. more to the story. One, now Steve Bruce said today that. Uh, Jamal Lascelles and Alan St. Maximin are really suffering from the long, long-term effects of COVID that they had. Um, and they had COVID uh, almost three weeks ago now um, and are still not fit for football, which is okay. They're allowed to take as much time as they need. Um, oh, well, like I don't, yeah, definitely. There's no, yeah, no blame, of course. Um, however, the reinforcement of these rumors comes with half time uh of this newcastle fulham match which i didn't actually notice at okay. the time but uh federico fernandez was pulled at half time like substituted for uh isaac hayden um and right the rumor from that is during halftime, where uh, Newcastle will, were 1-0 down, uh, Federico Fernandez and Steve Bruce had a bust-up in the locker room. Um, which, I mean, I don't know the validity of that claim, but... Right. There are certainly... There's rumors of five different players having fallouts with Steve Bruce. That's a tricky season, scenario. So. That is a very tricky scenario. Hopefully it's not Which, true for your sake. Yeah. I mean, but watch us play. Watch us play football. You'll see why we're having fallouts. So. Sure, sure, sure. Paul Steve Bruce. Okay. Th the club he loves. Enough. Okay, fine. Yeah, we'll move on. Uh, no, he's um, a Mackham. What? No. Yeah, he managed Sunderland. Oh, come on. Well, yeah, I know. But, I mean, he, he does love Newcastle. But we will move on from this. Otherwise, we will just get embroiled in a debate about Steve Bruce again. Um, who Who's next? Brighton versus Brighton, Sheffield, United. Sheffield United. Okay. Oh, oh my God, Blake. I'm so sorry. I just dropped my mic. <laughs> am am okay. I back? Uh, yes, terrible. you are. My apologies. Um, so listen, I did watch quite a bit of this match while writing a bunch of emails and doing work. However, I did not take notes on it. Um, the, my shining, my shining point from this match is that I was really, really, really impressed with Sheffield United. Um, 
So obviously they went down to 10 men. Um, awful challenge. It was a really, really awful challenge. Um, and um, um, who was it from, actually? I can, uh, John, uh, Lundstrom, John Lundstrom yeah, on yeah. Um, Beltman. Yes, and um, yeah, they spent more than half of the game with 10 men after his dismissal. Poor challenge. Um, and uh, it, oh, sorry, it ended 1 1. Uh, Danny Welbeck uh, cancelled out uh, Bogle's debut, sorry, maiden goal in the Premier League for Sheffield United. Um, he chested it down, smashed it past. Who was in goal? It was Sanchez. Uh, once again, yes, Matt Ryan was Roberto dropped. Sanchez. Yes. Um, he smashed it past Sanchez uh, in front of the Brighton fans right at the end of the game after a super resilient performance from Sheffield United. I was very impressed. They were dealing with like 70% plus possession from Brighton, but they were finding escape routes um, principally via Ole, um Sorry, Oliver Burke, who was really, yeah, your, really good in this game. He was really your good. Your boy. It, my boy, just because I think he's such a specimen. He's huge, but he's so fast. Um, and I like the fact that he went to Alaves. But anyway, I know he missed. So he missed this golden opportunity. It wasn't like it wasn't like an open goal or like that terrible level of miss. But he was through, managed to knock it past uh, the defenders, and he sort of had a one-on-one with the keeper, um, but he lost his balance and uh, blazed it over the bar. But um, he was so excellent in this match. Uh, he he did everything that I wish that Sebastian Allaire could do, but obviously Sebastian Allaire doesn't have the pace. So he's big enough to be a focal point to hold up the play. So he was knocking balls on to runners he uh, and he was sort of you know chesting it down and using his physicality to shield the ball and then pass it on. But also he he he's a man who could run onto the balls as well. Um, he just has zero end product. But yeah, I mean this was such a resilient performance from Sheffield United, and it made me genuinely sad that they are so adrift in this league because that you know it reminded me of last season that they can be fun to watch sometimes, even though they don't have many flair players and they sort of share goals between their defenders and that's all they do. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was very impressed and, um, and Brighton who I've bigged up a lot. I mean, they, they're very confusing and I'm wondering, are they, are they in danger of relegation? Are they, are they in that conversation? I mean, obviously they are cause they're right down there, but I thought that they were too well run to go down, but I'm sort of starting to question myself now. Yeah. So I think of Brighton as a much better team. Like if I were not really thinking about it and you asked me what position I thought Brighton were in, I would Mm -hmm. guess like 13th based on the style of football I watched them play. But I think they're don't, this isn't like a, a one for one comparison, but they're kind of in a similar situation to Leeds where they're able to play really expansive attacking football. It's just the way they play, it then opens them up mm-hmm. to concede goals. Um, so we've seen teams really, really be able to counteract the Brighton uh, tactics, but then we've seen yeah. teams like Newcastle that have no idea how to deal with Brighton 
um, yeah. and get absolutely demolished. The problem is demolishing Newcastle isn't going to keep you in the Premier League. You right. need to have a sure defense and be able to grind out wins, which right, right. Brighton aren't doing. But they are fun as hell to watch. And I honestly thought they should have won this match um, because despite uh, Sheffield United taking the lead and holding the lead for almost the entire match, uh, in the 94th minute, Brighton had two clear-cut chances to win this match with both Neil Mappé and... Yeah, they did. Oh, Lord, I can't pronounce his name. Yakahanbash. Yahanbash. Uh, I think it's pretty much just Yahanbash. Yeah. With essentially uh, Aaron Ramsdale out of the picture laying on the ground, I believe they hit the bar twice. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I don't know any Brighton fans at all. Me I've neither. never met a Brighton fan in my life. Um, but I'm sure if you asked them, they would feel like they deserve to win this match. Oh, yeah. I mean... But I mean, they were they were playing against ten men for a lot of the second half. Um, so, I mean, I I think I really love Brighton. I have such a soft spot for them. I really like Graham Potter. I like the way the club is run. Um, I w- two things. Last things I want to shout out about this match before we uh, move on is, uh, as you mentioned at the very end, they should have won it. They hit the bar, and then there was like a save from Aaron Ramsdale, who was actually really good in this match, I thought, once again. And as we discussed last week, his stats sort of suggest that he's he's not the issue in this Sheffield United team. And the other thing I wanted to say has completely gone out the window. What did I want to say? Damn, I forgot. Well, you know what they say. Oh, if it yes, was no. actually... Oh, never mind. I remembered, I remembered. And what I wanted to say was Rian Brewster, once again, was really bad in this match. Um, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I don't want to jump to conclusions because he is 20 and this is, you know, he's playing for a team with one point in the Premier League. But he just, he he looks so slow and he just, he's not sharp and it's just nothing is going well for him. Um, and I, I don't know, I hope I hope it perks up soon. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what Sheffield United can do. Even if they had won that match, they would yeah. still have been three I know. points. Well, like Chris Potter says, 19. they just have to show their resilience. They have to just keep going. Blah 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 blah. So let's see. Right, I mean, it'll be exciting. Great escape. Yeah, go ahead. Talking about keep going. Let's move on to the next match. Uh, which full disclosure. Uh, I did not watch. I haven't even seen highlights. I know nothing about Leicester City versus Tottenham. Ah, that's a shame because I also know nothing about Leicester City versus Tottenham. I could not watch this match. So, do you want to pretend we uh, know something? And I can you know just what? read out Jamie sure. Vardy penalty, forty-fifth minute. Nice. Uh, yeah, sounds like Jamie Vardy probably did something really cool uh, yeah. and drew a penalty. And I bet you he said, "I'm taking this," uh, because yeah. oh, he is their normal penalty taker. But yeah, Yuri Telemann, yeah. he has a nice, he's got a nice penalty on him. And then uh, they would eventually double their lead through a 59th minute Toby Alderweireld own goal. 
I'm sure that was hilarious too. If you hate Tottenham, like the other 19 clubs in the Premier League do, uh, so so what? Like so like 19 to one odds. You enjoyed that own goal. Something I think is interesting about this match from the fallout that I've heard is that Mourinho went with the same narrative that he did against uh, Liverpool. And I know we didn't, we haven't been analyzing the, these midweek fixtures because we don't have the time, but. So in 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 midweek, the stuff I've heard about that match is that Tottenham were actually better than Liverpool. So the, Son and Kane missed guilt-edged chances, and they they dealt with Liverpool super well. And it was it should have been at least a draw. And then obviously Firmino pops up and scores a great goal in the dying minutes of the match. But he kept on with this narrative that. Tottenham were better in this match and to all intents and purposes they 100% weren't they could not they they it wasn't even like Leicester played their classic Leicester football against them they had 43% possession in this match they did not play really a counter-attacking uh style they they just sort of matched Tottenham and Tottenham had a bad game um Leicester outshot them 17 to 4 to Tottenham's 8 to 3. They sort of shared possession, I'm seeing particularly in the in the second half. Um and Tottenham are struggling to create when they can't have Kane dropping deep to provide these lovely passes either for assists or in a sort of like scintillating counterattacking uh build up. And I'm wondering, you know, maybe that's the personnel that Leicester have. They indeed he returned for this match. He was excellent as always. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think Tottenham they have when when Son and Kane aren't firing, they have problems because Lucas Moura hasn't scored a goal for Jose Mourinho um, when he started a match. I th- I'm pretty sure it's only been off the bench. He started this match, and then they they swapped him for Kane, and Kane. He basically looks like he's playing exhibition matches, and I'm sure that's not his fault because he's barely played any football in like a year and a half. But I mean, it, that's not working. So yeah, I mean, Tottenham they dropped to sixth, as you mentioned. I think before we started recording, they they're now in pretty poor form, tr- like losses, draws, and one win in the past five or six. And yeah, I mean, it's sort of a shame because I was kind of excited. I mean, I I hate Tottenham obviously, but I was excited for someone else to be up there challenging the likes of Liverpool and then they lost to Liverpool and now it's like suddenly there's a six point gap and it's all seems like it's not going to happen for them. Yeah. So while right now we're all doom and gloom for Tottenham, uh, I will just hesitantly say they are one win from 28 points, which would put them in second place. So it's not all doom and gloom. No, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. It is very disappointing to see this three-game poor performance slide uh, from Spurs win. At one point, I thought Jose Mourinho was going to masterclass shithouse his way to a title. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I'm very disappointed. You can go back and listen to the podcasts and just hear me like always when we do the predictions, I would always back Tottenham because I was like, there's... This this system works so well, and then Liverpool found it out. Right. Leicester found right. it out. So right, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. 
Yeah. Well, that's all I have to say on that match because I didn't watch it. And so we probably shouldn't dwell on a match that we didn't watch. Um, let's move on to one of the most exciting matches I have seen this season. And obviously Leeds are involved. It's Man U- Manchester United 6, Leeds United 2. The return, the long-anticipated return of one of the most exciting rivalries in Premier League history, obviously going back to the early to mid-90s rivalries that Blake and I don't remember, but we've seen Hmm. archival footage of. Um, Look, it was an almost perfect afternoon for Manchester United that saw them hit Leeds for six. The one and only Scott McTominay hit a rapid-fire double within three minutes, both fantastic goals, the second, I think it was the second, was a swerving shot from outside the area. Um, this this match even made my brother sit down and watch. And he loves football, but he doesn't watch. He just he doesn't watch it. Um, and so it was really fun watching this match with him. Actually, um, yeah. Shout out Theo. Shout out Theo on Very Scott good. McTominay. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer said that he used to be a striker. And frankly, I said it when he smash this second shot in. He's scored some really nice goals for Manchester United. You can see he has a he, he has a really nice shot on him. Um and he's 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 an interesting player. I mean he's a, he's such a physical specimen and clearly um Manchester United Olegana Solskjaer for this match uh wanted his midfielders to find space running in like in that sort of Lampard-esque um role right sort of arriving late in the 18-yard box and that's exactly what um, McTominay was doing throughout this match and he got his first goal that way. Um, What else do I want to say about this match? Um, It was exhilarating because Leeds literally do not care if they're like 5-0 down. They just play the exact same way. Um, So we saw Patrick Bamford put a shot wide um, with his first decent chance. And then he was flagged for offside when he put the ball in the back of the net off a rebound. Um, uh, the, yeah, they didn't stop playing the way that they play, but it was calamity at the back. And Manchester United, for all their flaws, have an incredible attacking force. And um, by the time Bamford headed that shot over the bar in the 25th minute or something, um, Bruno Fernandes popped up and he backheeled it to Fred, who had an excellent game, by the way, who set this attack in motion and um, he found the finish. Um, Bruno Fernandes, after Martial, found his way blocked in the area. And then Manchester United went on to um, score three more. Dan James got on the score sheet. He was a surprise yeah, even inclusion. Dan James. Yeah, he was a surprise inclusion for Manchester United. And I think... Look, we have to give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer props for the tactics that he employed because I think he purposely put Dan James in for his just supreme pace. I mean, every time he sprints, my jaw drops. He is so fast. It's ridiculous. Uh, He's faster than like peak Hector Bellerin. You know, obviously like a few years ago, a few injuries ago, Hector Bellerin would have these incredible bursting runs recovery runs to make tackles and it's like dan james matches that speed but just like trying to sprint for a ball that's like 50 yards away it's it's incredible to watch frankly um yeah i'm sure you'll have a lot to say about this match 
But I do want to ask you about Daniel James. And I, I kind of like, what's the future for him? Because I thought it was pretty funny that he was included in the starting 11 for this match because obviously he's been close to joining Leeds so many times. And apparently they still want him. So what what do you think is going to happen with him? Um, I will just start off with uh, Dan James has three goals for Manchester United. And he also has three yellow cards for simulation for Manchester United. Nice, uh, nice. Which, yeah, I just find absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Um, th- this I thought this match was a lot like Crystal Palace Liverpool in uh-huh. Leeds made plenty of chances for themselves and they even took two of them. But it's just both sides made a ton of opportunities, like twenty six shots for Man U, seventeen for Leeds. It's mm-hmm. just Manchester United were they took their chances. Leeds United didn't really take theirs. Um, and like. The last goal for Leeds, Manchester United kind of looked like they were done. They're like, yeah, whatever. We're just waiting to get out of here. Um, I don't really have that much to say. Um, right. Dan James, I have not... He hasn't played enough for Manchester United for me to determine if yeah. he's really a Manchester United quality player. And sure. I know... Like a lot of Manchester United fans, which are they're like historically plastic, um, like want Dan James gone. Uh, like ever yeah. since he was purchased, they're like he's not Manchester United yeah, quality. quality. Yeah, um, blah blah blah. But yeah, I mean, whatever. He scored a Premier League goal against sure. a pretty good Premier League team. So well, I mean, I would love to see him play for Leeds, frankly. But yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I mean, Leeds are Wolves. Like, Sure. Yeah, he's like 23, so you know, I'm sure he'll have a decent career. No uh, biggie. I think he's younger than that, man. I think he's 20. No, he's 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 23. He's 23. Um, yeah. Ancient. No, yeah. I just want to shout out this game because I I honestly I absolutely loved it, and it's it's a joy to watch Leeds play, um, because they're just they're batshit insane, um, and it's just so refreshing. Uh, it's Marcelo Bielsa is so intense, just squatting on his bucket. Or squatting in the technical area, and they were six two down at the end of the game, and he looked like he wanted to rip someone apart. Like that's how intense he was. Every fiber of his being is just he wants he wants his teams to score and score and score and score. And it's sort of like it's so romantic. Like this is how football should be. And um I love it. So yeah, shout out Leeds. Thank you, Leeds, for gracing the Premier League. All right. Um, what's next, Blake? The it Villa is... West Brom. Yeah, a... the country derby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Big Sam's first oh, yes. game in charge. We've got to West talk Brom. about the return of Big Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not some. I'd be pretty happy if I never saw Big Sam yeah, again probably. in general in the Premier League or lower. Just do not care for that man. Yeah, uh, I get that. He, uh, they thought bringing Big Sam could save them. Uh, one match in, doesn't look like it. Certainly didn't do it for this match. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out Anwar El Ghazi. Yeah, yeah, I thought he had a pretty, 
he was being slated for his performance uh, versus Burnley. Uh, I think he had like four clear cut chances and didn't score any of them. Yeah. Um, but in this match, the wingers for Aston Villa, uh, and I'm going to include Jack Grealish in that because even though he was playing centrally, he's a winger. Um, he just plays like a winger no matter where he is. Um, right. He, all three of them were immense. Um, and it's good to see Bertrand Traore play well. Um, yes, one because yes, he's from a country that doesn't produce a lot of footballers. Um, yep. Shout out Burkina Faso, shout and uh, yeah, he was like another castaway from Chelsea who yeah. has had pretty good success yeah, playing for yeah. some massive clubs since he's left. He's played for Chelsea, Lyon, and mm-hmm. now Aston Villa, which like and Aston Ajax. Villa aren't what they used to be. And I Ajax, Ajax, yeah, so yeah. he's played for some unreal clubs. Um, plus, he's very fun to watch. Very silky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it. I love so it. after Anwell Ghazi's uh, somewhat poor performance versus Burnley, uh, he would open up uh, with a nice goal in the fifth minute, uh, and he would double that eventually with a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question for you. Ooh. Do you know why Anwar El- Anwar El Ghazi represents the Netherlands? Ooh, a question. I'll give you a hint. He's Go ahead. He's eligible for Morocco. I mean, I believe through both parents. So, I mean, obviously, there's a huge Moroccan community in the Netherlands. I'm wasn't he just born in the Netherlands? Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. But he considered playing for Morocco. But a very specific thing is what he credits for why he chose the Netherlands. Very specific thing. Um, let's see. You're not going to. You know what? That. I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. He met Ronaldo. And Ronaldo huh. told him to play for the Netherlands because oh, wow. the it, it would oh, give him a greater like chance at playing in the World Cup. Oh wow, wow, interesting. Well, he's only twenty five, so you know but he plays for the Netherlands quite regularly. Yeah. So awesome. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, this match also saw cool. a terrible red card by Jake Livermore. Oh yeah, Not I wanted really to ask sure. you about this. Yeah, I don't know what he was really trying. Um, it was against Jack Grealish. The commentators were saying that it was like a retaliation. Um, and it was like he did go in on uh, Jack Grealish and then stood up and stirred over him. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was just kind of Jack Grealish got the ball past him as he flung himself into a challenge and he... Hits Jack Grealish just below the knee and mm-hmm. drags his studs along his entire calf. A hundred percent a straight red. I just don't really know why he did it. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was trying to impress the new manager too much. It was pretty reckless. I didn't actually. Th- I mean, it was weird because I don't. I don't necessarily. It wasn't like super super violent. It was just stupid. Um. Yeah, it was definitely a red card, and Sam Allardyce didn't even look at him when he walked off. So it might be a while before we see Jake Livermore back in a struggling West Brom side. So yeah. I, I just don't, I don't really get it. Um, uh, it's but, just one of those things, you know. It's yeah, like, I, I'm just still like flabbergasted on why. But this match no, me too. was me too. A hundred percent Villas. Um. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, 68% possession, 10 shots on target to West Brom's one shot. Yeah. Um, no. Just no, nothing. West Brom did mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. What's amazing about Aston Villa is that they have played 12 games. If they win their games in hand, they go second. So it's amazing. Like they get 28 points with their two games in hand. It's incredible. Um, yeah, so they are in brought them back in amazing the top form. Half. Amazing form. They're in ninth, 12 games played, 22 points. Win those two games in hand. They, they're above Leicester. They're in tw- they have 28 points. And this is without Ross Barkley, who started obviously the season on fire and he was dovetailing so well with Jack Grealish. It's just, it's a wonderful turnaround for Aston Villa after obviously surviving by the skin of their teeth by this season. And I guess it, it, it shows why teams are so desperate to stay in the Premier League, even if it might not be the best course of action financially or something like that. But yeah. Okay, shall we move on to the Monday fixtures before before we... Yeah. Yeah, these oh. are two, two yep. we did not get to predict. Um, yes, yes. Because we thought we'd be recording before this. Yeah, um, my, my but... fault. My fault. No, nah, no, nah, there's no... But uh, it started with uh, a surprise Burnley upset. Wolves are very unpredictable this season. Um, They lost 2-1 to Burnley. Um, uh, Who was it who scored his first goal in over a year? Uh, What's his name? Actually, Barnes. Thank you. Barnes. He scored his first goal in over a year where um, he nodded it in at the back stick. It was actually a very well-taken goal because. I thought that it was um I thought it was sort of like a a dead chance. Um I can't remember who managed to keep it in play and sort of floated um a, a, a cross in before crashing into the hoardings and he basically was just the first man to it and um put it past Rui Patricio. And then um at that point I stopped watching the match. I'm not going to lie. Um so I'm not sure what happened from then on, but what I will say is that Burnley are hitting form over the Christmas break and maybe they will reinforce in the January transfer window. And if they do, it looks like Sean Dyche will pull off another incredible season and keep the Clarets up. I mean, I would say uh, the Christmas fixtures is kind of fitting for Sean Dyche and Burnley. I feel like the type of squad they have... uh, they're quite resilient. They can kind of play against whatever club they come up against um, and at least not usually not get battered. Um, and they're, they have no fear of... of like They don't care if they play good football or not. Yeah. They're a very results-based club, um, and they're not afraid to have 17% possession concede 26 shots and win one nil off a Chris Wood header. Um, Great. Which I wonder what it's like to be a Burnley fan Um, because I've watched uh, a year and a half of Steve Bruce and it makes me hate football, but uh, (laughs) But he does it on purpose to keep them up. That's the thing. Sure. Whatever. Um, Yeah. I wonder what it's like to be a Burnley fan, be it an established Premier League club who 
plays this type of football that you'd expect to see from a recent promoted club. So I feel like, but the thing is, Blake, is that if you look at the, I I feel like you, you can't have anything but praise basically for Sean Dyche because this is I agree. frankly ridiculous that Burnley are in the Premier League and clearly like the owners like they're not investing at all in this squad. This squad is like it's <laughs> the only team in the Premier League where I I think there are several players that I I literally have no idea who they are. You know when they come out or like who the fuck is like no, who I... is who is that like seriously? So it's 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 frankly astonishing the the job he's done. And I think I do worry for Sean Dyche in the same way uh, that I did for Eddie Howe, where it's like a, a few years ago, people were saying, Sean Dyche, he's a brilliant manager. Look what he's doing with this tiny club that shouldn't be in the Premier League. And now that sort of like star has faded a bit. And just like we've seen with Eddie Howe, one season goes wrong and they get relegated and he gets fired. And then there's no job for him because he's not the hot prospect anymore. So yeah, I I don't know what it will take for Bernie to be exciting. I think it'll take a takeover, which is in the cards apparently, but we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh shout yeah. out Fabio Silva who broke his duck. He's 17. Uh he scored a penalty in Wait, 17 think, years old. Yes, he's 17. In oh my the 88th God. minute. Yeah, I know. Um I'm 5 years older than him. I know it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Um are you 22? Yeah. When did you turn 23? Uh, May. Oh, we're almost the same age, Blake. Yeah, I, no, that's I'm... disgusting as well. You're a baby. Yeah, wow. Damn. I, I think of you as the older brother. Um, so, yeah, I think I saw that he's the youngest player to score from the spot in the Premier League since Michael Owen, I think, which is kind of cool. Ugh, or, he might be 18, actually. Yeah, I hate Vomit, vomit. Actually, I think he's. I think Fabio Silva is eighteen. I think I got that wrong. Yeah, he's eighteen. Um, but still, born in two thousand two, so we can throw up at that thought as well. Um, yeah, but you know what, Burnley two one, they've hit form. Uh, props to them. And I think I've been drawing this out because I don't want to get to the very sad three 0 loss that the Hammers had at the hands of Chelsea, the the most hated club in the league, at least from my point of view. Um. But I'll uh, recap West Ham's not that bad. Ah, uh, ha ha ha! But, um, I, that was very good. I left myself open for that. That was an open goal. But I'll recap this quickly. Um, so I think that the wait for Chelsea to burst into like an exhilarating attacking team goes on, but um, the grit uh, remains. A fantastic defensive performance from them. Um, it was their first win in seven attempts, I read, over a fellow top half side this season, which uh, says ridiculous. something for their title That's prospects. It is ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, look, even though there were two late goals from Tammy Abraham, I think the scoreline was super flattering because West Ham were terrible in the first 20 minutes and then excellent for the final 70, um, basically. Not okay, not excellent, but they were they were very good. They we forced our way into the game. Um, and there was a period in the second half where we were dominating away from home. We went one nil down very disappointingly and very uncharacteristically to a Thiago Silva header from a set piece. Um he literally Basically just got, free header. 
yeah, he wasn't picked up. It was a free header. Um, and um, and then we we played ourselves into the game uh, by overloading the midfield. Mark Noble started this match ahead of Saeed Ben-Rama. He started poorly, but I actually thought he grew into the game pretty well. Um, look, we know what Mark Noble does. I think he's an important player in the sense that he will give a team a lot of stability. He He's a talker. He's very, very calm. But he's, even though he's only 33, he's so slow. He's lost, he's lost his legs. So he wasn't giving us much out of possession, I thought. Um, yeah, uh, Moyes went for a robust approach that didn't work very well. But we threatened with Jared Bowen, who gave Emerson Palmieri a hard time. He had to come on for an injured Ben Chilwell. Um, Seb Allaire attempted another overhead kick, which almost went in, but was cleared by Kurt Zuma. He, Seb Allaire, that is, had a pretty poor game, unfortunately. Um, Ogbonna, I heard him basically just trying to tell Seb Allaire where to run and what to do for the whole match. Um, the Ivory Coast International was having a really hard time against Thiago Silva, which makes sense because it's Thiago Silva, but there you go. Um, and then we fell to a rapid-fire Tammy Abraham double at the end of the match, prompting my mum to say, what a strange match. Uh, you guys played well and you didn't deserve to lose 3-0, so thanks, mum, for trying to make me feel better. Um, yeah. Shout out Mrs. Saywell. Shout out Bridget, yeah. Um, Look, I thought I can move on to my question. I don't, you can tell by me being sad that I don't want to dwell on this. Do you have anything to say about this match before my question? I'll just, yeah, my one sentence wrap up. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, quite a rare occurrence that Oscar and I, in quotation marks, watch a match together. Um, mm, yes. We watch the full 90 minutes together, basically, just texting the entire time because we can't yeah. see each other in person. Um, but I 100% agree. The first 25 minutes, all Chelsea. The next 50 minutes, all West Ham. And then Chelsea got two breakaway goals. Yeah. Um, and my only comment, uh, Timo Werner oh, was yeah. terrible. Uh, that was uh, going to be my question. Nice. So, I yeah, I texted you during the match. I said, uh, Timo Werner, the best striker that West Ham has, question mark? Or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah. Do you think he just, he's in he's in danger of being the next Alvaro Morata? Because obviously Morata started off really well for Chelsea and then he faded and then died at Chelsea. And yeah, what do you think? And then they sold him for fifty fucking million. So much money. Yeah, and now he's playing really well for Juventus. But anyway, I mean, look, he's he's playing out of position and he's industrious, but he's not scoring and he's. I mean, he got an assist in this match right at the end, but like, what's happening to him? So, one, it was an undeserved. That that's not. An oh assist. yeah, for sure, for sure. That's for never sure. an assist. Yeah. Um, the it was a poor shot turned assist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my the, god. Yeah. This is what happens with big clubs, which is ruining football. The mentality of. I have this new toy. I want to play it. Yeah. It's not working out for me immediately. I get 50 million in the summer to buy whatever new toy I want to buy. This toy goes know, in the it bin. Sucks. It sucks. Um, yeah. 
time to ship him off to Spain or Italy or France um, or mid-table English Premier League team. Um, It's just players don't hit the ground running all the time. And you have mid-table clubs like, I, I know Newcastle the best, so I'll use Newcastle. You buy a player like Miguel Almiron for a lot of money. He doesn't light up the world immediately, but we know that players need time to adapt. But with the big clubs, it's if they're not scoring five goals in five appearances right away, if you're a striker, you're a bust and you're a terrible waste of money and you need to get out of the club. Um, The team of Werner is not as bad as I slate him to be. No, He's just, if you go to a big club for big money, and you don't work out, this is what happens. So no, I, I think that's really well said, and the, and the same can be said for Kai Havertz. So I mean, look, I uh, have a, I get very sensitive about because I'm like, oh, these pe- these players are humans, and oh, it's so sad that they're having a bad time. Um, I fucking hate Chelsea, so I hope mm-hmm. that they're terrible and Chelsea sink to like seventh. But there we go. That's it. Yeah. Um, it, that's kind of like weekend pictures. Yeah, it's kind of like mm-hmm. like. With like Wigan or Barry, you're like, oh, yeah. like it's a shame their owners yeah, were yeah, like yeah. just trash yeah. and just yeah. ruined a historic club. But meanwhile, I'm like, oh, Manchester United have no funds. Oh, I hope they go into administration. Yeah, I, I hope, hope they, they die. Go into yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Okay, so we're gonna take a quick break, uh, yes. and then we're gonna come back with our predictions. Great. Welcome back to the Peak Too Early podcast, and like every week, we're now going to move into our predictions for this next match day. Um, Luckily for us, despite the congested fixture list, we only have one match day to guess because we'll record by the time the next match day occurs. So with that being said, Oscar Saywell, what is your prediction for Leicester City at Manchester United? I think United will struggle against a more... um robust midfield in Leicester City. So I'm going to go for a 3-1 victory to the Foxes. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. I am not thoroughly convinced by Manchester United or Leicester City. So uh, Fulham at Southampton. Um, I'll go for a one, another 1-1 one, one for Fulham, despite the fact I like Southampton. I think... Southampton is a great club. They gave Newcastle Alan Shearer. And for that, I think it'll be a 3-1 Southampton win. Cool. Um, Villa, Crystal Palace. I think Crystal Palace will still be reeling from the 7-0 drubbing. I'll go 2-0 to Villa. Um, I, I also don't want to... It's kind of Villa's in great form. As of their last match, Palace in terrible form as of their last match. So I think this has Aston Villa written all over it. I will go 1-0 uh, and hope I get the score right over you. Um, Arsenal-Chelsea, a London derby. Look, I simply can't back Arsenal. Um, so I, I'm going to go another 2-0 and it will be for Chelsea. Yeah, I'll go Chelsea, but I'll go... Arsenal do score, um, but maybe like a late, uh, late goal that doesn't really mean much. Um, probably the marquee match, uh, 
the one everyone's looking forward to manchester city versus newcastle united look um i'm sorry i think that city are going to look at liverpool's drubbing and take it out on you i'm gonna go six nil I think the last three times Man City has played Newcastle, it's been 3-0, 5-0, 3-0. Hmm. So, yeah, I should say <laughs> 5-0, but I'll give us the benefit of the doubt. 5-1, Man, oh. City, Man City crushes oh, us. So sad, so sad. Uh, <laughs> Sheffield United, Everton. I'm going to be bold and go for... 1-1. One, one. I think they could even win at Sheffield United. Um, I think Everton blow hot and cold. So that that's my prediction. I think that's easy money for me. Uh 2-0 Everton win. Nice. Um Leeds United and Burnley. I think I've made bad predictions so far. And so I'm going to go for a absolutely shocking Burnley win. 2-1. It's a terrible prediction, but I'm going to do it anyway. So this is like the unstoppable move, unstoppable force in Leeds meets the immovable object in Burnley. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I'm going to go for a 1-1. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not going to be the match people think it's going to be. Um, West Ham at Brighton. Another bogey team for us. Um, if Izquierdo somehow comes in from the cold, he will score against us. Um, I think this has 2-2 written all over it. Obviously, I never predict a win or a loss for West Ham, but 2-2 seems pretty solid. I'm gonna go a three nil win for Brighton. Three nil Brighton. Yeah. Oh my unreal. god. Unreal. Bright- Brighton shake off the dust. They show everyone who they really are. I mean, uh, honestly, we've been performing pretty poorly. I-, I can see it happening for sure. For sure. Another marquee matchup. Uh, Liverpool traveled to West Brom. Um, four nil Liverpool. There's just no way that West Brom get anything out of this. Yeah, I. I'll go for the 2 0 win for Liverpool and hope that I get the scoreline more than you do. Yep. Um, all right. And then finally, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers go to Tottenham Hotspur. I don't rate Wolves, but I rate Nuno. Um, so I'll balance it out and go for a draw. I'll go for a 2 2 draw. Damn it. 2 2 was mine. Just go for it. I'll, go for no, it. no. I'll, I'll, I'll back. I'll back Tottenham. All right, they all right. reclaim some form. Nice. Um, yeah. Look, I'm um, not very confident with my scores. I time. think I've just predicted horribly. So we'll see. I'm excited. You're going to do the textures are my favorite. Me. So it's a good thing West Ham don't play on Boxing Day then. So that's true. You get to watch Newcastle, Man City. That would be fun. Actually, no, it won't because I find City unsufferably boring. So. See, at one point, I thought they were the most fun club in the Premier League to watch play because I loved watching Pep and like the Pep, right. Pep football. Um, right. But recent, not recently, not in the last ten months. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so we have done the recap. We have done the forecast. Oh, that just yeah, leaves yeah. one thing to do before we wrap up um i have five questions for you um and 
uh, of course, my first question is the namesake of this podcast. Um, yeah. A player who peaked too early. And this one is certainly a player who peaked too early. Ooh. He comes from the probably the greatest footballing academy in the world. I'm so- I would be interested to see who you, if you claim someone else is. But it's hard okay. to go against the names that this academy has produced. Players such as Kylian Mbappe, Olivier Giroud, Blaise Matuidi, uh, Nicholas Anelka, uh, uh, William Galas, mm-hmm. and Thierry Henry. Yeah, it is the INF Clairefontaine uh, in France. Uh, and after he left the Clairefontaine, uh, he went to Lens, Rio Vallecano, Wigan Athletic. He then joined West Brom, or sorry, West Ham, where he made mm. seventy-one appearances and scored seven goals. I think you already have a hint mm. because he would later join Newcastle United, where he made ninety-seven appearances and oh. scored the goal that should have won the Pushkash. Uh, where is Mohamed Diame? Mohamed Diame, man, I haven't heard that name in years. Oh my goodness, you right, pulled you out a bag. He left Newcastle the summer before last. Oh my god, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, hang on, hang on. First of all, you were talking about Monaco, right? No, the Clairefontaine. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, right. Yeah, of course. Is, of course, it's not really. I, it might not be called a academy, but it's like a. It is an academy. Well, okay. Like okay. Okay. Oh my God, Blake! I can't. This might be my first. Uh, my first fall because I've got everything correct so far. Listen, is it a Qatari club? Yes, it is. Is it Al Ali? Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes, I am incredible, Blake. I I'm an invincible human being. It would That's be the funniest thing in the world if we weren't me. recording. Are we not imagine recording? If we yeah, we are. We are. Don't worry. Oh. But imagine if we weren't. Oh my goodness! Yes, yes. My streak continues. My streak continues, Blake. My you have to continue. go back and figure out. Um, he uh, is a player who played for Steve Bruce at Hull. Uh, and then as soon as he heard Steve Bruce was coming to Newcastle, he fucked off to Qatar. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so I only... We terminated his contract. I know this because of FIFA. It's just because I play so much FIFA. Yeah. 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 Is he... Wow. What does West Ham think about him? Um... He's one of those players of that era when we were in the championship and then got promoted, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he, So he's one of those players who... That was in that interesting scenario where um, he wasn't really playing and uh, he said he wanted to stay and push his way into the first team. But then... Um, 
like I think it was Sam Allardyce at the time was like, no, nah, I don't it's really Sam. want to play him. Yeah. Um, he didn't, it was one of those scenarios where he didn't leave in a transfer window that he should have left. And um, then the manager was like, oh, it's like, it's really good that he didn't leave because we need him. And then he didn't play. And then he left for Hull in like the following, like in 2014 or whatever it was after he left. So um, yeah, one of those players, like sort of like underwhelming is harsh because he did play quite a lot for us in his two-year spell. Um, and I seem to remember he scored, he liked to score against like our rivals. I think he scored against Arsenal and like Chelsea and stuff. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say fondly remembered, but a good servant, I guess, in that era. How's he remembered at Newcastle? Uh, up and down. He yeah. uh, well liked. Um, he scored some amazing goals for us. Um, he also he's a an interesting player in that kind of like the um, Abdullah Decore style. Um, in that he is a black Premier League player, who right. a black Premier League midfielder who is into box to box, and the English media in general do not yeah. they like will always describe those players as like box to box or like because... defensive midfielders, but they're very clearly an attacking midfielder, yeah. um, and that's what they do. Um, yeah. So I just like personally just always like like black attacking midfielders um because they're like against the english narrative yeah um, no I, he I also he scored the amazing goal um like a a bat basically a back heel chip um just an unreal goal um beat the player on the line uh mm -hmm. hilarious uh he also because he's a devout muslim uh he doesn't drink alcohol yeah. So once Newcastle were celebrating with champagne and he's very clearly standing like 60 feet to the left um, oh. as to not yeah. participate. Implicate which, himself, yeah. Yeah, I thought the, that's out. cool. Yeah. Um, he also, uh, I believe, broke Jamal LaSalle's nose. Oh. Um, yeah, in a, right, in a fight during training. So a lot of really cool like instances, but... Yeah. Um, and like Rafa loved him, um, right? But uh, he just not really a Premier League quality player. Yeah, kind of. If you're a a 16th place Premier League team, he's really good. But yeah. like once we started pushing up the table, he was just surplus for requirement. And now he's getting his payday. Um, yeah, that's just how it goes sometimes. With all that being said, I think he had a great career. So, well, yeah. But more importantly, I know where he plays, and that's great stuff from me. So, yeah, just a little disappointing. He did not live up to the expectations that players like Kylian Mbappe yeah. and Thierry Henry had. Yeah, that is um, disappointing. Okay, so I have some more questions to wrap up the podcast. Cool. Um, I think you and I both agree David Moyes is not a super long-term solution at West Ham, or mm -hmm. maybe you would hope he is not. Um, right. So my question for you is, who would you rather have as West Ham manager? Mikel Arteta uh, or Chris Wilder? Chris Wilder. One, one million thousand, hundred thousand million percent. 
Okay, I just not, wanted to say enough. you picked Arsenal to finish third, and you thought Mikel Arteta <laughs> was the manager, and now oh. you'd rather have Chris Wilder, whose team is in twentieth place. Oh, in the Premier League. I deserve it. I deserve it. Um, look, uh, yeah, I mean that's just literally like experience over anything else, right? And I think that Chris Wilder's a great manager, and Sheffield United shouldn't be way down there. Arsenal shouldn't be way down there either, but they are, and they're terrible. And I think Arteta, I'd still back him to have a good managerial career, but clearly, like, you know, it's not going well for him. And um, yeah, I don't know whose fault it is. Is it the players or is it him, honestly, or both? So uh, definitely Chris Wilder. But good question, though. Okay. Um, the Spurs have slid to sixth place after mm-hmm. two straight losses and some rocky form. How much further do they slide? Or, alternatively, what's the lowest spot they will occupy this season? Oh, the lowest spot they'll occupy this season? Outside of whatever they were, like, two matches into the season. That doesn't count. From here on out, what's the lowest they will go? Um. That's a great question. Again, I think the lowest they could go would be like sixth, and then that's where they um, are now. Oh, really? Damn. Yeah. Fine. So oh, just because sixth. it's congested, just because it's congested, I'll go eighth. I'll go eighth, but um, that's yeah. And but I think they'll that will only be like an eighth spot, and they're like three points off third or something. I really do think that they have just because of the personnel. Um, they'll be up there this season. But now this is a quick question because you basically asked it to me. Um, is Liverpool's seven nil thromping a mm-hmm. statement for their claim at the title? Yes, it is because I think after all these injuries, no one was expecting them to retain the kind of dominating vibrant football that they've exhibited not even last season when they won it but the season before when they went toe-to-toe with Man City and were playing like this gorgeous football um it just looks easy for them at times I I I guess maybe we're getting carried away because they you know they still did lose 7-2 to Aston Villa which obviously is an anomaly but and they drew 1-1 to Fulham who are in like 18th so they clearly have weaknesses and it's easy to get carried away by a team that are in a good patch of form um, and they have competitions to contend with as well but yes I think they've laid down the gauntlet to be honest Um, and teams are going to have to match that and more Um, and my final question Mm -hmm. is uh, sawed off Premier League uh, fuck that. No one cares anymore. <laughs> uh, who will win the EFL Cup or whatever, whoever's sponsoring it nowadays? Uh, and Ooh. I'll give you the yes. eight teams that remain. Remind me. Uh, and who's playing who okay. in these next few matches. So there is Brentford, Newcastle, United, mm-hmm. um, Arsenal, and Man City. Stoke City and Spurs and Manchester United and Everton. Ooh. Um, 
I'll go Everton. Left field shout. Left field shout. I'll go Everton. I think City are probably the favourites. And if I'm being, if I'm giving a sensible prediction, I'd go City. But yeah, I'll go Everton. We know, we all know Carlo Ancelotti is great in cup competitions. And yes. yeah, I'm going to go there. Do you think Everton can do the double, winning both the EFL Cup and the Everton Cup by finishing an eighth? Ooh. No, Everton will finish higher than that. I bet. I think I think they'll pip. I think they'll finish seventh or sixth or something. If they yeah. finish seventh, does that consi- is that considered like bottling the Everton Cup? Uh, mm, it's such I'm so so terrible at predictions. Is it considered bottling? No, because they still they still don't have as good of a squad as others do. Um, despite the fact that they recruited heavily in the summer. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to the January transfer window. I think we'll see some movement, some significant movement. So, yeah. Yeah, I interestingly heard something from a uh, another general uh, Premier League podcast talking about the contracts of some Everton players at, with clauses that if they don't win silverware will like allow them to wiggle their way out of these contracts. Um, oh, which I think interesting. can, will be really interesting to see like one, the validity of that and two, the ramifications if they don't finish with some sort of right success. Wow. That would be interesting. Okay. With that being said, that concludes episode eight of oh, the Peak Two Early podcast. Um, we are going to try to keep these podcasts normal as we can during the most unjusted time of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, hopefully, you hear from us next Sunday. Um, but if not, just keep your ears out. It'll probably be delayed to Monday or something, if not Sunday. Um, so in the meanwhile, email the podcast at peaked the number two early pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, peaked to early pod. Uh, follow me at B Munch, B M U N S H. Follow Oscar at O H S C U H. O H S Oscar. Probably the first time I leave a review. Stay safe. We're things are still looking positive on the vaccine side of things. Yeah, thankfully so. so. Yeah, right on, cheerio. Light yeah. at the end of the and tunnel. Okay, bye.